What is up, you guys? My name is Jay Oki. I'm here with my best friend, Tommy. Tommy, hi. say hi. <laughs> <laughs> and we are a modern seance. Stop fingering the hole. Welcome to the first episode. I'm excited to be here. This has been in the making for, God, like probably like six months. Um, mm-hmm. And we're finally like up and going. We are ready. Yeah. We have the Insta we're going. We're not ready. <laughs> we're not. <laughs> but we have the Insta going. I think we have a Twitter, but we have yet to post yeah. on it. But... We're going to link all of our stuff at the end of the show. So stick around for that. Or if you're an asshole, you know, fast forward. Anyway. Um Bear with us on the quality. We know it's not perfect, but we're hoping maybe in the future we'll be able to get a, me- a better mic and uh, an actual um, recording room instead of in on the floor. Tommy's living room on the floor <laughs> with the cats licking themselves. Sorry if you hear that. Yeah. But anyway, um, we're a true crime podcast. If you can't tell, I mean, that's probably why you're here. Um, I don't know what else. Uh, we also do spooky shit. Yeah, I mean, spooky that's what the seance part is. It's just basically anything spooky that you can think of, we're going to do it. We're going to start with true crime, and then we're going to throw on a few things here just to, like, keep it spicy and kind of, like, keep you guys on your toes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so just a couple quick things about ourselves. Um, I'm Jay, obviously. Um, I was... Born and raised in Michigan. I am 21. Um, I have a dog. She's my life. And that's about it. It's not very exciting. <laughs> and what about you? Uh, my name is Tommy. Um, I'm turning 21 this year, and I have three cats and a snake. You have three cats? Oh, yeah. Potato. I don't really count. Potato's not really my cat. I have two cats. Well... Um, Mama could count as two cats. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. What's potato four? <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's uh, who we are. Um, there's gonna be a lot of giggling, probably. <laughs> it's first first episode, so it's chaotic as fuck. We got the the Trulies. Well, she has the Trulies. I didn't like it. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Probably just sit there and continue getting warmer. Yeah, it will. Anyways, so without further ado, we're just going to hop right on into this because it's it's not really a long one, but um, it's a, the floor is uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. So. It's a very interesting story. Yes. Um, so today we have for you the Jonestown Massacre, um, which is one personally like one of my favorite uh, true crime stories other than, you know, your big serial killers yeah. a, I, a secret spot in my my heart <laughs> i haven't learned that much about this but i'm really excited about it i'm excited to know what he did and the fucked up shit he did i'm sure yeah so we're gonna give you the runaround you're really gonna like him at first and then you're gonna fucking hate him so oh. all right yep let's get into it james warren jones or better known as jim jones was born on may 13th 1931 uh, in Crete, which is near Lynn, Indiana, um, to father James Thurman Jones and mother Lynetta Putnam. <laughs> so, 
Seems to have had um, a rocky childhood. His father was one of 12 kids. Oh, 12 kids. Yeah. Um, this was back in, God, it would have had to have been like early 1900s, probably. Also, it was common yeah. for women to pop out that many kids. Yeah, it was like before the baby boomers even, so. Ooh. They just kept on fucking going. I don't even know if like condoms were a thing back then. <laughs> I really Sheep don't. Skin intestines. Wait, hang on. What, when were condoms invented? I don't know. I'll look it up real quick. When were condoms invented? <laughs> I think they were... I know the first condom was intestine, like skin lining. Oh, yeah, you're right. When were condoms invented? There we go. Google says in 1839, inventor Charles Goodyear discovered rubber vulcanization. <laughs> How what? the fuck you say that? <laughs> And it led to the first cre- the creation of the first rubber condom in 1855. Okay. Um, they were the thickness of a bicycle inner tube. Okay, <clears throat> I don't need to know anymore. They had to be custom fitted. Oh. You had to get a custom fitted condom. Oh, and then it won't ever fall off. Like it won't it won't like slide off. But they it says that they were more than a little cumbersome. Okay. Huh. I like how in our first episode, we just start talking. Anyway. Um, Welcome. Get to know us. Yes. Um, uh, okay, where was I? Anyway, um, he was one of 12 kids from a poor family, obviously, um, who can support 12 fucking kids back then. Um, and he went on to be a World War One vet who lived with complications from being gassed during combat, and he lived off of disability payments. Um Jones, I was trying really hard not to say um. <laughs> Jones described his father as being kind of racist. Um, not really surprising for the time. Not I bad. also saw something about him being in the KKK. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Yup. He once stated that he was once beaten for bringing home a black friend to play. And he also said that once when he brought home a stray dog... His father made him get rid of it and then beat him because there was no food for the animal. And Sounds he, a lot like my father. Oh. <laughs> Wait, so the dad, Jim Jones's father, was in the KKK, not Jim Jones. Yeah, no, son. his father. Okay, I just wanted to clear that yeah. up for the listeners. Yeah. So his mother, Lynetta, had married and divorced uh, twice, actually, before um, she married Thurman, his father. Um, yeah. And she was 17 years younger than his father. Um, and she worked in a lot of factories and as a waitress to keep him afloat because, he, you know, all he had coming in was disability and that couldn't have been much. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, neither of his parents were attentive to him at all and they were not religious either. So religion was something that Jim sought out on his own. Um, he would explore different churches and would become involved in their practices before essentially like getting bored and moving on to the next one. So he pretty much religion hopped. Yeah. Instead of homie hopping, he really yeah. he Jesus hopped. <laughs> um, anyway, after graduating high school, Jim went on to study medicine, becoming an orderly at Reed Memorial Hospital in 1946. This is where he would later meet a nursing student, Marceline Baldwin. She was 20 and he was 16 when they met. And then they ended up getting married in 1949, and they had a double wedding at the Trinity Methodist Church in Richmond, Indiana, 
with Marceline's sister, Eloise Baldwin, and Dale Klingman. They were getting married, too. So, in case you don't know, like a double wedding, because I didn't know. It's just where two sets of people get married on the same day, yeah. probably to save money. Yeah, double wedding? Yeah. yeah. Kind of self-explanatory, yeah. but... No, you're just, like... Never you're saving mind. money. The family yeah. saves money. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, over the next ten years... They had one biological child together and then adopted six others. Oh. Yeah. Um, in 1961, they were the first white couple in Indiana to adopt a black child, which is, like, super progressive. Yeah, that, back then, I'm yeah. sure that caused a lot yeah, of ruckus. Yeah, their biological son, Stephen, would be um, the only one of their kids to survive Jonestown, which we will get into that later on. In 1952, Jones would start serving as a student pastor of the Methodist Church in Indianapolis, but he had issues with the segregation that churches and basically the whole nation were practicing in the 1950s and 1960s. Um, So he started his own church called the People's Temple in 1956. Um, He insisted that the father... (laughs) He insisted that the members call him father or dad interesting choice yeah um, i understand father but mm-hmm. i mean i guess i can see dad but still so if you know anything about this story you know that this is kind of where it starts to get a little culty so um in 1964 jim would be ordained and the people's temple would join the disciples of christ the people's temple was very involved in the civil rights movement Uh, Jim Jones was the head of the Indianapolis Human Rights Commission, working to desegregate restaurants, movie theaters, hospitals, the police department. Um, The People's Temple also focused on ending homelessness, poverty, and starvation. So overall, I think they did have um, good intentions, but um, yeah. He wanted to make himself look good for the community, Probably to factor in and help him with what he did later on. Yeah, I think that he was definitely trying to, like, build a reputation for himself. And maybe at one point he did have good intentions. But with everything that um, we learn about uh, as this kind of, like, progresses. And, well, I mean, you also had to count in, like, normally serial killers will get into the community. And everyone's like, oh, I didn't see that because everyone looks at him as a hero in the community when really... He's just trying to get on people's good side so they don't recognize that this person is a serial killer. Like, I think quite a few serial killers have done that. Yeah. he. I mean, he's not a serial killer. No. I think but... um, things just kind of, um, certain things, uh, like his vices, drove him to do what he did mm-hmm. in the end. I'm really trying not to give any spoilers. <laughs> which is okay. why I have a hard time, like, talking about, like, his intentions and stuff because it all goes south very, very quick. Yeah. Well, we can continue on so that we can get to the the good parts. How high are you? Not high at all. Really? Oh, oh, yeah. little... oh. I'm just kidding. But I have I hit it at like nine. Nice. So it's been Oh yeah, it's been a couple hours. His role in the civil rights movement actually put a target on his back and because of that his family and the People's Temple received a lot of threats or like intimidation. And sometimes some of them were even, like, assaulted. 
Um, and at one point Jones actually went door to door (laughs) selling imported spider monkeys from South America. (laughs) Spider monkeys? Yeah. Selling Um, spider monkeys door to door. Yeah. For $29 a piece. And then he would invite potential buyers to his church. And that went on until there was no longer a need to sell monkeys in order to keep the people's temple afloat. So, um, I believe they had like a bunch of like, uh, a bunch of people donating and stuff. I think I read somewhere that there was like a group of at least like 37, uh, women, I believe who were giving the church their social security payments. Oh my God. Yeah. Like their checks, their social security checks. Holy shit. Yeah. I read that somewhere. So, yeah, um, they were not strapped for cash, to say the least. Um, uh, they had it. They had them, jeez, in the bag. Yes. There you go. I forgot the slang. <laughs> so, in fear of the Cold War, Jones moved his family to Brazil for a brief period before returning to the United States. And they ended up settling in Eureka, which is a city in Northern California. Eureka. Yeah. And Jones actually read that that was one of the safest places in the country. Like, is on like a oh. list of safest places to live yeah. during that time. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. I wonder what the number one safest city in the United States is. Mm, it's probably like butt fuck nowhere. Fucking Oklahoma. It's probably in Utah. No offense to Utah people. Oh yeah. But... Cause all the Mormon. No, because oh. no. Oh, where would it it's be? It's not Detroit. <laughs> it's not Detroit. No, it's not Chicago either. <laughs> no. Sorry yeah. to those of you who live there. Detroit has been getting better, though. I mean, that's off topic, but let's get back on topic. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In order to get people to join the church, um, he promised food, shelter, and equal rights for everyone. He would preach about integrating public places, the churches, everything he was doing in Indianapolis. So, um, although over time his sermons, uh, would shift to demanding obedience and loyalty rather than pre preaching like peace and harmony and all that. Um, that took a turn. Yeah. He would claim that he was the coming of Jesus Christ or the <laughs> second coming of Jesus Christ or whatever the fuck. Yeah. So the people's temple, uh, relocated to San Francisco's Fillmore district it was there where Jim would be appointed to the San Francisco Housing Authority. And members would campaign for George Moscone, who was running for mayor at the time. Um, so they were, like, hand in hand. Like, Jim had his fucking hands in everybody's pockets, or if that makes sense. Yeah, that does. He was well-known in the community and regarded yeah. as a good person. He was basically doing whatever he could to get people to join, but also to get, like, money and shit. And how he was, um, he played the political game, for sure. Yeah. Do you have something to fidget with? I don't have it. Not my foot. It has to be quiet. It can't be that. Here's a clean pair of socks you can't have that's that that's where your socks went the other day when you spent the night you couldn't find your socks oh, your yeah. fresh socks yeah they were in here because you were gone yeah i don't have anything you can fidget with that's fine i, I should have brought those bouncy balls over yeah anyway um da, 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 da. so although jim was 
<laughs> a very prominent public figure at the time. People started to notice things. Um, he was constantly surrounded by security guards, as was the church. Members would be searched upon arrival, asked questions, etc. And I have a quote that says, uh, Former members described being forced to give up their belongings, homes, and even custody of their children. They told of being subjected to beatings and said Jones staged fake cancer healings. Oh my yeah. god. So that's fucked. Um, he really said, hold this, I'm going to reverse that shit. Uh, uno reverse? Yeah, he uh, uno reverse. What is he re- uno reversing? Being nice. Oh, yeah. He uno reversed I it fucked too. up your joke. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I'm big dumb. It's all right. Okay. <laughs> I tried. Yeah. Um, so, due to the growing negative attention from the media, Jones would invite the congregation of the People's Temple to move with him to Guyana with the promises of a socialist utopia. Okay. So, this is where things start to go south. Um, And by south, I mean fucking south. (laughs) And quick. Yeah, and very, very quick. Um, Within about four years, I think, is when it... uh, Actually, they were only there for a year before things... Shit hit the fan. But in a matter of four years, yeah. So, um, in 1974... A group of members went down to Guyana to check things out and establish an agricultural cooperative in the jungle. Um, And then later, in 1977, Jones would move to Guyana permanently, along with over 1,000 of the cult's members. Oh, and I also, I want to clarify real quick, um, because I didn't know, an agricultural cooperative is just like a group of farmers who agree to um, trade and sell food to each other. And stuff like that. So, like, a self-sustaining village. Yeah, basically. They turned it in the middle of the fucking jungle into um, a village. Okay. Essentially, yeah. So, Guyana is a small country in northern South America, um, which is, and it's east of Venezuela. Uh, there's lots of jungle. Um, and the capital is Georgetown, which is important for later. Yes. So, the compound sat in the middle of the jungle and was composed of a large group of cottages. Oh, I also have a map of this that we can post on our Insta for y'all so you can see what it looks like. Um, and, okay, so there's a large group of cottages. There was actually 48 of them uh, where 10 to 20 of the members stayed in each cottage and slept in double and triple bunks. So, 10 to 20 people in each little cabin and they were sleeping in double and triple bunks oh my god so it was yeah, like they were packed was, like sardines yeah it was crowded Ooh. yep there was a dining tent a kitchen a bakery a banana stand a laundry area with washers and dryers which actually used heat from the kitchen to dry their stuff um there's a smokehouse and a cellar cooler uh the west house is where jim jones and staff stayed um, guest cottages, radio room, educational tents, one, uh, I guess there was two of them. And those were for school. Good. Yep. So at least they were educating their children. That's good. But, uh, not like, uh, we do. It, it was probably just like their own religious stuff, which not mm. to bash any of that, but they were probably using their own teachings and whatever. Yeah. I was probably very much to promote them staying rather than leaving as they grow older and saying like that 
saying that the world is bad outside of their yeah they were home. like teaching them uh like their beliefs and that everybody else was out to get them and shit like that they were brainwashing them yeah they were brainwashing them for That's sure the word for it for sure so there were four medical buildings as well um including a doctor's office infirmary laboratory and a pharmacy um they had a bunch of workshops for building things uh bathrooms and showers which i was like that's very good. I don't know if they had plumbing, but it, it just said bathrooms and showers. Well, I mean, if they're in the middle of nowhere, yeah. there probably wasn't plumbing. But they did have generator buildings and wells, so they did have electricity in some places. I'm oh, not... yeah. Yeah. They also had a basketball court and a park. So, um, fast forward. When they got there, when everybody got to Guyana... Um, their passports and medications were confiscated. Members were forced to work in the fields and would face repercussions if they asked any questions or questioned any kind of authority. Oh, my God. Yeah. So armed guards were everywhere patrolling the compound. Um, they had meetings every night where Jones would instruct followers to write down their fears and mistakes and then use those against them to humiliate them in front of everyone. Um this is one of the method methods of brainwashing. Yes. They, it was the humiliation and like just breaking you down so that you wouldn't fight him or anything like that. Yeah. And then, um, phone calls and letters were also censored, uh, and members were encouraged to tell on each other. And Jones would say, big brother is watching you quote unquote. Um, and messages would play over the loudspeaker all day and all night so that, no matter what they were doing, working, sleeping, eating, shitting, you had to listen to him preach. Oh, God. Um, yeah. The once church was now more of a dictatorship led by Jones, a.k.a. culty as fuck. Oh, yeah. He's hitting all the markers. Yep, he is for a 100% cult leader, piece of shit, asshole. So, yeah. as you can see, yes, he went from a very... Um, progressive and like a huge like leader and pillar in the community and now fucking something happened some switches flipped um, at one point or another he became addicted to drugs he would do amphetamines to stay awake and then uh, downers so that he could sleep and he'd be up for like 20 hours a day sleep for four you know shit like that oh wow yeah so he was fucked up he was always wearing sunglasses for, um, to hide, like, his bloodshot eyes from the lack of sleep he was getting. Yeah, that's why, if you look up any pictures of Jim Jones, he's gonna be wearing sunglasses, most likely. Oh, wow, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, and he'll also have two guards, like, one on each side of him. So, Paranoid, yeah. too. Yeah. Also, I should mention, you guys, if you do look up pictures of this, just know you're gonna see about a thousand dead bodies. That's all that there is online. You will see mass bodies all over the ground and shit, which is, it's also really weird because they're all laying on their stomachs, which is like, did they pose them like that? He had to. And they're all facing a certain direction. I'm not sure if it has any, like, symbolism, but yeah, they're all on their stomachs. I mean, there are a few on their back, but most of them are on their stomachs. They had to flip them then. Yeah. It's weird. It is. But anyway, yep, he's on drugs and his mental health is starting to deteriorate. Um, he had his own throne. <laughs> In the main pavilion. Oh. Yeah. So he's, he thinks he's real hot shit. Um, and he became paranoid, uh, and he was convinced that the media was out to get him, which, I mean, yeah, you're a piece of shit. The media is going to talk about it. Exactly. Yeah. You can't get away from the media forever. Yeah. 
So, um, things have already started to take a turn. They've gone south, they've gone left, they've gone right, and now they're fucking doing a UE. And leading up to the massacre, Jones had manipulated his followers into doing mock suicide drills. Yeah. Oh my god. Where members would drink Kool-Aid not knowing whether or not it was poisoned. They had no fucking clue what was in the Kool-Aid or if they were going to die that day. They just did it blindly. torture. Yeah, it is. It is. It's psychological torture and brainwashing. That's how fucking, like, dedicated they were to following him and stuff. They would die for him. It's just really fucked up. And this is where we're going to talk about the mind control a little more. He used um, mind control techniques and social psychology techniques to gain his followers' obedience and loyalty. And uh, followers were starving and working almost seven days a week. And Jones would demand they give him thanks for food and work. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, yeah. It's just fucked. That's all I can say. Um, In November of 1978, U.S. Representative Leo Ryan traveled down to Guyana from California with news reporters, photographers, and concerned family members after hearing that some were being held against their will at Jonestown. So this is kind of the beginning of the end. Yeah. I mean, he's not letting people go. Yeah. So on November 17th, the day before the massacre, Leo Ryan and his crew arrived in Guyana and were greeted with dinner and entertainment um, while they were there. This was actually really surprising to them. Um, also, I believe I read that um, Jim Jim Jones actually let them do like a uh, photo shoot or something like that. Let, let them take photographs and interview him and stuff. And he actually oh. talked to them. Yeah. So while they were there, members approached Ryan asking for help to leave Jonestown. So, the next day, on November 18th, 1978, Ryan and his crew, along with a small group of People's Temple members, left Jonestown and headed towards the airstrip, which was, like, I think, um, on the outside of camp somewhere. It was, like, down the road or whatever. Okay. Yep. Only to be ambushed by gunmen before they could take off. Unfortunately, Representative Leo Ryan, the reporter and cameraman from NBC, a photographer from the San Francisco Examiner... And a female People's Temple member would be shot and killed. Yeah, so that's fucked. Um, So he pretty much knew that they weren't going to leave, and that must be why he allowed them to record him and do all that. Yeah, it was just a show. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was also to, like, calm down the People's Temple's members as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to, like, try to show everybody that things were fine and that, you know, we can allow outsiders in, and then he just fucking killed them. Jesus. Yep. So, convinced that soldiers would invade the compound and capture slash torture everyone, Jones ordered everyone to gather in the pavilion where they would commit a quote-unquote revolutionary act. I'm doing air bunnies. Um, Trigger warning. Death. (laughs) The children of the People's Temple were lined up. Okay, this is kind of sad. So, if you don't want to hear about kids, um, just fast forward like two seconds. The children of the People's Temple were lined up as nurses and parents filled syringes with a concoction of cyanide, Valium, and Flavor Aid. Not actual Kool Aid, Flavor Aid. The cheap shit. Yep, the cheap shit. And they then injected it into the children's throats. That's oh it. My God. That's, yep. Um, next, adults would go up one by one and drink the cyanide laced Kool Aid. Um, 
that's where the the phrase uh drinking the kool-aid came from by the way yeah kind of fucked yeah yeah kind of really fucked. (laughs) yeah those who didn't want to participate would either be forced at gunpoint or just shot and killed which i'm like how are you gonna force someone at gunpoint when they're you're literally forcing them to kill themselves just I, i don't know it doesn't make sense to me um anyway over 900 of the people's temple members died that day with only 33 survivors who either weren't around at the time of the massacre or those who escaped into the jungle. Yep. Wow. Yeah. 900. I, I think the total was like 909 or something like that. Are there any of the survivors still alive? I'm not sure. There's gotta be a couple. It would be so interesting to hear their stories. Yeah, it would. Um, I think... No, there definitely is a couple. I think someone wrote a book. Yeah, so Jim Jones was actually found um, in a chair with a GSW uh, gunshot wound to the head. Uh, he had either killed himself or it's believed that his nurse uh, killed him and then killed herself. So that that's unknown, but it's it's most likely he killed himself. Oh, yeah. And back to what we were talking about with Stephen earlier, their one biological son who survived. Um, Marceline, Jim's uh, wife, had actually tried to help Stephen escape by giving him a passport and access to a bank account, which contained $100,000. But um, his, their kids, uh, Stephen's brothers, his adopted brothers or whatever, uh, found out and they, they told Jim before he could leave. Um, and it, Jim found out and he was pissed and instead Marceline was able to convince, uh, Jim to let him leave to Georgetown so that he didn't have to be there at the time of the, the massacre or whatever. Or, oh, wow. I, well, I don't think, I don't even know if she knew about it. I think she might, she must've had like a feeling that something bad was going to happen oh, because I'm they were sure. practicing like mock suicide drills. So yeah, she had yeah. to know like something was up and yeah. so she's like, I just need to get him to safety. Yep. So we have one final quote, um, and this is, I think this is something that Jim said. Be patient, death is, I tell you. I don't care how many screams you hear. I don't care how many anguish cries. Death is a million times preferable to spending more days in this life. If you knew what was ahead of you, if you knew what was ahead of you, you'd be glad to be stepping over tonight. End quote. Wow, that's a... That is dark as fuck. Yeah. Yep. Um, there's also a tape online called the death tape and you can find that on YouTube. Um, I'll link my, I'm going to link my sources cause there's, there's tons of information out there online and I, I just basically just took what was important to the story. Um, I'll link those in our show notes. Um, we're going to post some stuff on our Insta and, uh, that death tape basically contains, um, the final moments of Jonestown. It's like the last 45 minutes that everybody was alive in Jonestown. And basically it's just fucking Jim Jones, uh, preaching over the loudspeaker and children crying in the back and him preaching to people and like telling them like, this is it, blah, 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 blah. So it it might be a little triggering to some people, but, um, that is out there. If that's something you're interested in. I didn't really listen to it. I listened to a few seconds, but it was, it's a lot. But anyway, yeah, that's uh, the Jonestown Massacre. Um, I hope you guys liked it. Uh, Stick around if you want to hear some more stuff like that. If you want to reach out to us, our Gmail is amodernseance at gmail.com. 
and the, the E in seance doesn't have the little uh, accent that seance. It's just seance. Um, <laughs> our Instagram. Fuck. Our Instagram. Stop. Is- <laughs> I got it. Bitch, that was you, supposed to be mine. No. You can follow us on Instagram at amseancepod. And follow us on at and follow us on Twitter at a modern seance. Um, hopefully, we'll have that stuff up and running for you guys, and we'll have some stuff posted on there, and you can look at some of the pictures from uh, you know Jonestown and whatever. And we're gonna try to post regularly. We're gonna post some bloopers and shit. So if you guys want to hear that, you know, hit us up. Uh, you're free to DM us. Our um, our personals are linked in the uh, bio. Yeah, in the bio <laughs> of Instagram. Okay. Anyway, it's late. Um, good night. We we'll love you. See you next week. Yeah, fuckers. <laughs>